I want to do some background, but I'll get in trouble with some of you because some of y'all are like historians. So, uh, there are, there have been four um, moves of the Spirit in the recent years. Thank you, Kyle. Well, one of them's like a non-move. How can I say this and not be, I'm not being mean about it. Uh, there is a, have you heard, heard the words cessationist? Okay, so, so that just means that uh, you may have friends in a church that believe this, you know, and I understand that. Um, denominations, different things, but it just means that they think that the <clears throat> uh, miraculous gifts, uh, God doing things that we see in like uh, up to the New Testament, that when the apostles and them and those that, that had followed Jesus, as they died off, it quit happening. So it kind of quit happening um, somewhere in where you and I would see the book of Acts happening down through the years. Okay, so that, that's a, a, a group of people as a background. Then, uh, do I hear the sound of a limb sawing off my own limb I'm standing on? Am I sawing off a limb? Okay, so, so the, next, the, next, the next move that we, we know of historically was um, at the turn of the last century. It was like uh, on um, 1900, it was, as it was going to be 1900, it, it, they had decided to do a, a tearing party. I believe it was, uh, was it in St. Louis? I can't remember if that's where they were. A guy named... Uh, uh, Seymour, uh, a pastor, wa was there, and uh, as they were spending the night waiting for it to turn into 1900, <laughs> the Holy Spirit came, and people started speaking in in tongues. It had, you know, this there was like an outbreak at this all-nighter. So he went back, he was from um, the Los Angeles area, and he went back to the Los Angeles area, and the people back there, uh, as they're talking about this, they have a little, they have a house, I don't know if it's a house church, but they have a house that they're meeting in, and he starts describing what he had experienced in, say, St. Louis. If I've got the wrong town, just forgive me, you can fix it, go look up Pentecostalism. And... As he starts talking about this, <laughs> the Holy Spirit comes in tongues, and people started speaking in tongues in Los Angeles. And so, as they do during this night, you could imagine that the next night, people came to the house, and now there's twice as many people, or three times as many people. It's not a very big house. The, the, uh, uh, it, uh, it was constructed for the size that it was, the floor joists as well. The weight of all the people in the building caused the floor system to fall down, and it was only a crawl space, but the whole flooring fell down to the ground. They kept meeting. If you go back and start looking at history, you started having people making fun of what was going on, and other people were coming to see it, and the news were even starting to talk about it, and newspapers were showing up, and... Uh, if you read the historical accounts over the next few years, 
it caused all kind of bedlam. We had uh, churches, uh, systems that said, no, it's not happening, it's not true. Another one says, it is true, I was there, it's happening to us in our church. They started changing the names of denominations. We, we, had, we had, I believe, a Pentecostal Methodist denomination was formed. A, a, lot, of an, a lot of interesting new denominations formed out of this. And from this, a movement that we call Pentecostal started up on the West Coast and spread. And so the thing that marks that is um, that they uh, focused a lot on uh, baptism in the Spirit with a sign of tongues. You can see that that would might be why it would be that way because that was the experience they'd all had. So they thought this is what we should do. Now, uh, if you follow it and you talk to uh, people that track all this, um, there was some pressure with some people saying, well, you, you've not really received the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. And the problem with that is, is not everybody speaks in tongues. And even the Pentecostals don't. I, I used to know the actual figure, what it was. It's like 61% do. It was, you know, it wasn't everybody. But, but this was the thing that stuck with that. So, so that was the, a dominant force. So you had uh, kind of evangelical, and you have mainline stuff. You have stuff going on in the United States. You know, you got the Catholic Church. You got all, you, we have a lot of things going on. Now, the next time that something happened was in 1962. The current pope at the time declared in 1962 that this would be the year of the Holy Spirit. And uh, from his office as being the pope, God honors this undoubtedly because what started taking place in 62 were other denominations that didn't even have, they didn't have anybody that spoke in tongues. They didn't really like, that's for their Pentecostal friends, we don't do this. You started having people in other denominations that started having experiences of the Holy Spirit coming on them to the point that then we had a bunch of other groups that started dividing into di the, those that do, those that don't, or, or the ones that embrace it and those that don't embrace it. Now, with the, with the charismatic movement, tongues was not the big thing like with the Pentecostals. It was the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was okay if you spoke in tongues, but it wasn't a sign gift that you, you've been filled with the Spirit, you've got to speak in tongues. So Pentecostal, the thing that marked it, that they would say, yeah, you're truly a Pentecostal because you've received the Holy Spirit with the gifts of tongues. You could have had other, other spiritual gifts, but that was that. Then the charismatic movement, in, starting in the early 60s, uh, said, well, the Holy Spirit does come in power, you know, and he can do any of the things that we see that he does in, through Scripture. So we had that. Now... In about 1970, and I wonder if this, I haven't looked, I didn't go back and look all this up, I was lazy. In 1970, roughly, you know, if you've seen the Jesus uh, Revolution movie, it, it tracks the hippies on the West Coast, a bunch of them got saved, and, you know, and, uh, and then we started baptizing people in the ocean, and the Calvary Chapel, and, all, and, and Tom Stop on the beach, and, uh, you know, all these people being out in the oceans and they still go to Pirate's Cove and get baptized. If you want to get baptized, you can go down there. They're still doing that. And the vineyard came out of being a Calvary church. And so uh, 
Sociologists always want a name for something, so they called it the third wave. Pentecostal was one, charismatic was two, the third wave. So the vineyard, technically, is part of the third wave. So, yeah, that sounds more like a science, science fiction show, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, okay. So I don't know why I wanted to throw that in for you, except that I just wanted to throw that in for you. Well, I hope you have the answer, because... Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Wimber used to. Yeah. Now they've tacked on. Uh, even conservative. Let's see. Conservative evangelical. Oh yeah. Theolo Yeah. They added theological. They added a new word to it. They needed to. Yeah. I've got it written down somewhere. All right, it may be on the web. I don't know. We're going to, Maria and I are going to work on the website. <laughs> so when you go, it doesn't work anymore. It's because Maria and I was playing with it. <laughs> we haven't dared to try it yet. We're just kind of looking at the edges of it going, okay, now if we hit this button, let's don't hit that button yet. You know, that kind of thing. Okay, so uh, turn with me. Okay, you're going, why is he doing all this? Okay, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. This is New American Standard because I like it, and I have a copy of that here. Acts chapter 1, verse 3, roughly, right there. You know, Luke and Acts is really one story that Luke was telling, and we, we, cut, it at, we cut it right where we do uh, at the end of Luke because... Luke's account matches the other Gospels, the good news, you know, um, you know, John's and Mark's and Matthew's and so, and Luke. And so, but really, the story went on that Luke was telling. And so he starts telling, uh, Acts is the beginning, is, is uh, it's like uh, part two is where it was cut right there. So that's when we, we separated it. Um, let's see. So he's, he's given the guy's name that he's telling this to. Let's see. How about verse 2? Until the day when he was taken up to heaven, and after he heard by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Does that make sense? Not really. Uh, I'd have to back up. The first account I composed, uh, he says, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven, that makes more sense, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. And then verse 3, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. The things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, last week, Ron spoke. Last week was Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. And we didn't talk about Pentecost. So I'm not talking about the week after Pentecost. I want to go and talk about Easter. <laughs> Isn't that nice and confusing? Okay, so, so Luke is saying many more convincing proofs. Period of 40 days. Okay, and so then there was 10 more days. And then we have the morning of Pentecost. And, and if I went to Luke, I mean, if I went to Acts chapter 2, we would have that. But we're not going to the right. We're going to the left. 
I'm going back to John uh, chapter 20. Lord, draw us into this story right now. Like if this was a movie, Lord, it would be sort of like clouds and stuff, and we'd be kind of tell that there'd be some sort of cinematic way of going back in time, and that then we would settle in, and it is Easter morning. Nothing has happened. The last thing that happened was is that Jesus was crucified. Jesus says, into your hands I commend my spirit. He dies. They come, they put a spear in his side. You know, he's dead. They report back. Given the body to one of the guys that was a disciple. They take his body. They, they wrap his body in a ceremonial wrapping, but they're, they're a little, they're not, as, they're not doing it exactly perfectly because you kind of mix spices in when you wrap a body, a Jewish person, but sun's about to set. So we're kind of in a hurry. We kind of need to get him wherever we're going to get him before the sun sets. So they wrap him, and they have a borrowed... Uh, tomb of someone. I mean, this is the expensive stuff, y'all. This is like the down in New Orleans when it's above ground and it's really fancy and you, you drive by the cemeteries down there and you see this super built-up thing down there because the water table is so low that you have to do it. You can't put people underground, kind of kind of be above ground. So this is the Jewish version of that. It's got a stone that rolls in front of the door there's a place in there for the body, sort of like you put a shelf in it. It's, I mean, this is the top-of-the-line burial chamber that they've put him in. The Romans have, you know, um, they were all concerned that some of his disciples were going to steal his body and then say something had happened, and so the Romans sealed it outside with a signet ring thing so that he sealed, he's there, Everybody's in shock, sort of. Time has gone on now since Friday at about 3 p.m. when he died. You know, from noon until 3, sky turned dark. Took him down. They put him in the tomb. Everybody's in grief that knows him. Everybody that's a part of it have gone. And now it's... Sunday morning, the first day of a Jewish week, the day after Sabbath. Sabbath is, you know, the day of rest for Jewish people. So the next morning is the first day of their week, which is what now we make Sundays the day we worship because that it was on the first day of the week. So it'd be sort of like in our culture, it was like Monday morning. If we changed and started doing stuff on Monday, having church, you go, why are y'all doing it on Monday? Well, because this great event happened. So for Jewish people, this is odd, but this is the day. So it's their first work day of the week. Chapter 20, John, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. You see that? Still dark? Still dark. Why is she coming? Boy, we just didn't we just didn't wrap him up properly. We just didn't give him a good burial. This is the background. This is why she's going. Of course, she's got a problem if you read all the Gospels. Like, yeah, but there's a big stone. And it's a special little track that they put the stone in so they can roll it in place. So who in the heck is going to move it? Of course, she hasn't even thought about there's a Roman seal on, on this and on pain of, you know, like the Romans, up, up on pain of death, if you break this seal, you're going to die. You know, if you break this Roman seal, she, she hasn't thought of any of these things. She's moved from her heart for Jesus. She's brokenhearted. It's still dark. Yeah. Yeah, she's up. She's probably been up most of the night. She's just, she's, she's going down there. She's not made a plan. She's just going down there. And she saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. Just try to be with her. You're with her, looking over her shoulder. You know all this is how they left it. This is not how they left it now. Somebody has moved the stone. The stone is not where it's supposed to be, blocking the front. So she ran and she came to Simon Peter... Now, all this is going on because this little group of followers are afraid. Guys and women, they just don't know what the Pharisees are up to, and they're in cahoots with the Romans. The Roman, they're getting along, you know, which they normally don't, but they, they are about this Jesus stuff, right? And so they're thinking any minute they're going to come around with torches and get us and take us to prison. They're, they're all in kind of this looking over their shoulder, listening. They've been in this since they came and got Jesus and then crucified him later that morning, right? Go back in time. So, so that's, that's the mind that they're set. So, so she, as soon as she sees the stone is gone, she didn't go further. She runs back to where they are. And she came, to, verse 2, and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. I love John always writes that way about himself. It's just such a... Like, I mean me, but I don't want to say that, so I just want to go. I just wanted to let you elbow you and go, he loved me. <laughs> you know, the other one that Jesus loved. You know, little elbow right there. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Logic, the only possible logic is somebody's moved his body. The stones roll back. Help. This is her cry for help to them. Verse 3. So Peter and the other disciple, John, went forth, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together. And the other disciple, John's proud of this, ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. Verse 5. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen, linen wrapping lying there. But he didn't go in. Huh. The stuff that you wrap a, a dead body in was lying 
there where the body would have been, except it's kind of collapsed. There's no body there. It's just the wrapping laying there. That's a little weird. Verse 6, And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb and saw the linen wrapping lying there and the face cloth which had been on his head not lying with the linen wrapping but rolled up in a place by itself. (laughs) Wouldn't you be kind of backing up? John, this is strange. Here's where a body would be. Here's the piece that you put on the head, but it's its not just lying there like the rest of it. It's like folded up. Someone folded it up neatly. Are you just about in this place emotionally? Are you, I mean, you know, can you see it? Can you feel it? Are you with them? Strangeness is in the air. It's strange. It's only strange. But strange. Verse 8. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb, John, then also entered and he saw and believed. For as yet they didn't understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Jesus told them stuff, but they just, in the face of the reality of the moment, two plus two doesn't doesn't equal four right there. Okay. Verse 10, so the disciples, the two guys, went away again to their own homes. Why did they do that? They're afraid. They're afraid of what the Pharisee leadership, what's going to happen. For all they know, they're waiting behind some bushes for the first people to show up here, and we're going to use this to entrap them. They did, we don't know. We can't ask them. We'll have to ask them someday. But they went back to what they knew. It was safer at where they lived. It was a better place. Verse 11, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. Guys, I like guys, and Mary acts like a girl. She's brokenhearted. And 12, she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. Don't you know they lit up the room? Don't you know the light coming from them lit the inside of the tomb? Two angels, one on one end, one on the other end, sitting in there. And they said to her, verse 13, Woman, Why are you weeping? What an odd thing to say. Except that they know the story. They know the whole story. 
They don't feel like weeping. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. The two angels are like, we're part of a big deal. Hey, we're part of a He let us be in on the story on this part. You suppose angels drew lots among other angels? Who's going? I'm, I don't know. I don't know. You can't go. I don't want to go. Pick me. <laughs> I want to go. You ever do that? Just put yourself in the other places of people in the stories going... Yeah, you know, sometimes just kind of see, you come, sometimes you learn some stuff from that. Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and didn't know that it was Jesus. You know, it's still kind of dark. And Jesus says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Says the very same thing. Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, she's being very polite, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, and only the tone of Jesus' voice could say it, Mary. She's heard that, him say her name, multiple times. He said it in the pitch and the timber and just the, just the way he stretches the word exactly, Mary. She turned, said to him in Hebrew, Rabbana, teacher what she calls him and Jesus said to her you can tell something's going on here stop clinging to me now why would he say that except that she has grabbed a hold of him <laughs> you know <laughs> stop clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to the father but go to my brethren and say to them I send to my father and your father my God and your God Eighteen. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples. I, I like the New American Standard using the word announcing there. <laughs> I've seen the Lord. I just picture there's a little tone in that. <laughs> you know, it's not like she's not shaky. She's not even, she's almost like, like got her hands on her hips going, I've seen the Lord. She knows stuff that the rest of them don't know. And he said these things to her. And, and that he said these things to her, she repeated. 19, so, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Now, you know, some other guys have been going out of town on the road to Emmaus. Jesus comes up walking along with them in one of the Gospels that tells us, and he starts having a conversation. What you boys talking about? Oh, haven't you heard? Have you been like living on the other side of nowhere? Jesus was crucified, the one that we all thought was going to be the Messiah. Oh, really? Tell me about it. 
And then Jesus turns tables on them, right? And starts telling them things about the Messiah, what would take place. And then now they've reached a place to have supper. And so they go in and they're going to eat. And so he breaks the bread. And as he breaks the bread, he blesses God, the Father. And as he does, he disappears. And, they, and they're like, oh, man, didn't your heart burn when he was talking? Yeah, yeah, we got to go back right now. We need to go to Jerusalem right this minute. They head back to Jerusalem. And they've just gotten there, if you're reading the other gospel. And they've just been telling them what they've just experienced. He's alive. We, we saw him. He broke, you know, and while they're saying this, don't, don't you think that God, the one who would invent jokes and stuff, would not like to set up scenes? He totally set them up. He timed this perfectly. The guys have just come in. They're kind of out of breath. They're sweaty. They just told what's just happened down the road. Everybody's looking at them. While they're talking, they don't happen to notice that Jesus pops into the room. I picture that it's kind of behind everybody, you know, that they haven't noticed it. There's Jesus is back there. Almost like he could say boo to him if he wanted to, but, yeah, he wouldn't do that to him. <clears throat> it says, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace to you. They are kind of a uh, nervous group. I mean, they are kind of hiding out for fear of the Jews. You know, they've, they've gathered quietly. Somebody's probably watching at the door. It's all happened. Verse 20. And when he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And so and then 21 says, So Jesus said to them, again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, in one of the other Gospels, it's saying that they, they thought they were seeing like a ghost. They, were, they thought they were seeing a spirit. They were frightened. And, and when, so when he says peace to them, they really needed that. But that wasn't enough. They were still kind of, uh, So what does he say? Hey, you got something to eat? had some fish there so he eats a piece of fish you know he's gonna you know show them what's what's going on verse 22 and when he had said this he breathed on them and said to them receive the holy spirit kind of a impartation and if you forgive the sins of any their sins have been forgiven them and if you retain the sins of any they have been retained 24, and then Thomas, one of the twelve, he's called the twin, because undoubtedly he was a twin, was not with them when Jesus came. 25, so the other disciples who were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see in, in his hands the imprint of the nails, I, you know he's being almost tone in this, and, and put my finger in the place of the nails and I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Okay, 26, after eight days, the disciples were again inside. It's Sunday the next week. Nothing's happened all week. This has been enough for them to circulate among like 500 people that, you know, that friend, people, they've gone around quietly telling what's happened. They've told it and told it and told it and told it and told it. Told it. Now it's a week later. They're in the same room. 
And this time Thomas is with them. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came in the doors, having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And he says to Thomas, Reach here with your finger. See my hands? Reach here with your hand. Put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have, you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believed. And therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. May we all have experiences. I'm just taking a break here. May we all have experiences, encounters with you, Lord, that makes our belief in you stronger, more solid than ever, that we may tell our stories to other people, that they too may believe in you. This is not so hard for me to understand because Matt Ford from Australia, who had, who had came, was a friend of A.J. Nichols, was passing through the country, Matt came to speak here. And Matt had some unusual traits. But when I met him, he had decided that he would take his hair and dye it fire, fire in, uh, the color of fire, uh, a red-orange. And he would point the center of his hair with jail straight up. So you just got to be here the night of the Australian with his Australian accent that walks through the door and his hair is straight up, red on top, in a straight mohawk, mohawk's not even the right word, just straight on top. And I was thinking, AJ, what have you gotten me into? So Matt started speaking. It's pretty good. And then he'd say some things like, I don't know about that, but that other part was pretty good. Going along, and Terry Lowe, who lived on the streets around town, Terry was an, uh, an older black man who liked to, Terry liked to be on his own. His family all worked up, his brothers and sisters all worked in Detroit in the auto industry. They all had beautiful cars when they came down for his funeral. Terry had uh, liked to live on people's front porches and would pay him $5 a night so he could sleep on their porch. Terry liked to be on his own. Terry regularly came by for handouts or food or maybe for a couple of dollars. And Terry had cataracts. Now, for a, a black man with fairly dark skin, and his eyes are really dark anyway, two white cataracts in the center is just so obvious. He has two white cataracts. And I was working over there near the door opening 
watching Matt up here with the fire hair teaching, and Terry comes to the door. And Matt has just started into ministry time. And uh, Terry, Mr. Jim, I need a few dollars. I said, Terry, I've got a few dollars. I'll give them to you if you'll let me take you up to the guy with the hair and have him pray for you. Now, I had no particular plan except that I just wanted Terry to have an encounter with Matt. So right here somewhere, I bring up, and I go, Matt, this is Terry. Terry has cataracts. I turned to the side to look over this way to kind of listen spiritually, you know, kind of vineyard training, listen for something. And I hear Matt speaking to the cataracts. In the time it took for me to turn back, this is no more than 10 seconds. I mean, it's really, sh- it's just long enough, for, you know, every how long you would like, listen, what are you, sa- you going to do, Lord? I turn back. Matt's got his hand on Terry's shoulder and is lifting it off. And the cataracts are gone. I missed it. Ten seconds. I could have. What? How, how did they? I mean, did they just? I'll never know. Well, someday. What do you think? I'll go with that, Benjamin. That's good. Because, you know, it's like, now did they just slightly disappear? I mean, I, I don't know. Terry lived three more years, never came back. I spoke at his funeral. We need some more stuff like that. Because when I read this, it's not a far, far away story. It's very close. It's the same stuff of Terry Lowe and Matt Ford. They're both with the Lord now. So they probably talk about stuff. Let's do just a little bit more. Chapter 21. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. So this is the third time that we have listed of the stories of these 40 days, right? So some of the boys are here, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, uh, uh, James and John, it's his sons of Zebedee, two others are there. And Simon Peter in verse 3 says to them, I'm going fishing. I, I don't know if he's just ticked off. I don't know what. Maybe, just, maybe he just has the taste for fish. I, I don't know. I'm going fishing. They said to him, eh, we'll also go with you. you know, now you look at your translation, you're not going to see ah in there. I just threw that in. Okay, just don't look for that. That's not in there. Okay. They went out and got in the boat that night, and they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach And yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. So Jesus says to them, I just love how he messes with people. Look, I just want you to know the Jesus that you talk to is not stuffy. The the real Jesus is a a little bit of a jokester sometimes. You know, the real Jesus does stuff. So if he does stuff and and you're kind of taken back, you go, 
you put one over on me about that one. Just know that's the real one. That's the real one. He's not religious at all. Now, he can say things that are very powerful, but, but he's, he, he's the son of God, son of man. He, he's just, it's him. So he says, verse 5, Jesus says, children, do you not have any fish, do you? He knew they didn't. Of course not. They answered him. Don't you imagine it was a low time? No. That's what I expect. He said to them, you know it wasn't a religious, no, sir, no, in God's name, no, 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 this is, they've been out all night, no fish, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find a catch. So they cast, and then they weren't able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. <laughs> Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved John, right? <laughs> Good old John says to Peter, It's the Lord. He's figured it out. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. <laughs> and the other disciple came in the little boat, the other disciples did. <laughs> Isn't that Peter? I mean, you know, just go for it. Don't think about it. Just do it. Just do it. If it's if it's you, Lord, call me out of the call me out of the boat. Got to walk on water a little while, because you know Peter's just, you know, what do you call? Who do you think I am? You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the Living God. Nobody's revealed that to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. What's the next sentence? No, never, Lord. Don't go there. Jesus says to Peter, the one who has just a moment ago declared that he's Messiah. Get behind me, Satan. Talking to the voice behind the voice with Peter. I love Peter. But the other disciples came in the little boat. They were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid. You know, and that's the story about the charcoal when, Je when Jesus tells Peter, you'll deny me three times. It's the only other place a charcoal fire, fire is mentioned. They laid fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've now caught. No, fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus already had this all set up. Bring some of the fish which you've now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153. Do you know the word in Greek? You take the letters because the letters also are numbers. You total them up for the word fish in Greek, 153. It's the same number. You know, because there's a mathematical, each word in Greek also has a, a, a math number for it. And yet, the, uh, I didn't, it's not yet there. The net was not torn. Lord, you want us to see that. Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. Now this was now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And after that, he does the three times talking to Peter, you know, do you love me? 
Jesus likes to hang out with us. Jesus likes to have a meal with us. I suspect he likes for us to have meals together. It's not just because our bodies need food. It's because eating together is a very intimate time together. Richard. <laughs> he says he's glad that Jesus isn't a vegan who eats fish. <laughs> that was good, Richard. Okay, I'll give you a gold star if I had a pocket of stars for vacation Bible school. That was funny. That was good. So, so, I know it's just us sitting here, but it's not us just sitting here because we are children of God, the kingdom of God is here, always. You never know when he's not going to break in with that in such a profound way that it's be one of your life stories that you'll tell off and on down through the years. I'm always going to tell, tell, tell the Terry Lowe healing story because so far it's the only miracle that I was that so close to right there. Right about there. <sighs> I, I guess so, Clay. I'm sure. I mean, everything happened as it's supposed to happen. Yep. I've been reading Bobby Connor, his last Shepherd's Rod book lately, and I've read some in uh, uh, Marie, who, who's the other one I'm reading? Randy Clark, a Randy Clark book on spiritual more you know of stuff and Randy goes around the world half of the year uh, still ever since the Toronto day, before the Toronto days but he goes around and does stuff and um, I don't I just don't I don't know why I backed away from leaning into these things but I did so I want to move back toward these things you know I want to start if I quit taking risk or maybe because I gotten a little older I don't know what I just want to just call God again you want one last story for a second okay So when we were meeting in the other building in the afternoons, you know, from 3 until about 9 o'clock at night, I had watched um, Braveheart. 
And you know, in Braveheart, Mel Gibson comes out and half of his face is painted blue, right? And he does the great speech in front of all the people. So on this particular night, it has turned dark now, we're into the second part of the evening. We do a worship ministry time, and then we, somebody would teach, and then we'd come back, and the band would come back, and we'd start ministering. And I have just got it in my head all of a sudden. I went, I wonder if the kids back there in the room have any paint. And they did. They had a whole box of paint, temper paint, and they had blue. So you know what Jim did. He took the blue paint. He painted half of his face blue. He came out. I took a chair, stood in the middle of the stage, stood up on the chair with my face half painted blue and yelled, Freedom! I want him to come back. So I, so I'm just warning you if he comes back, okay, you go, yeah, you won't believe what happened the other day at church. But on the other hand, on the other hand, it's like Peter and John, the one who loved Jesus, getting ahead of Peter back and forth. I just soon you end up walking out a story that he's telling you to do something. And I'll, and I'll be happy for you for taking the risk. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's... Wow, okay. So that's... Uh, huh? Yeah, yeah, taking the... Yeah, he can't... He's up here. I don't know where you are, but up here when I said that line about just taking the risk. I mean, he, he came stronger... Let's pray for each other that we take the risk. Amen. It's the only way to do faith. The book is full of stories that we even do flannel boards things of the stories, but it's a bunch of risk takers. You know? So, Lord, we ask you to pour out the Spirit on us at a new level starting today that we might go back and count it as today a new level of moving in the kingdom spirit of moving by the spirit from tongues to prophecy everything anything that you've done you did and do lord um not because not because we want to see that as much as we want to see you. Come. Empower us to follow you as your kids. Thank you for this Lord's Day. In Jesus' name, amen.